From Trinity Episcopal Cathedral, this is Stations of the Cross, an audio Lenten pilgrimage. The fourth station will be read by the Reverend Dr. Maria McDowell, Rector at St. Philip the Deacon in Portland. Station four, Jesus meets his afflicted mother. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Surely Mary wonders with us how this cross, bearing down upon the striped back of her son, redeems anything. Her grief is unnamed by gospel writers who too often silence the voices of women who accompanied Jesus. The wild and fertile imagination of God's people have silenced neither her sorrow nor her joy. Her heart leapt in joy at the promise of his birth, knowing, as every good Jewish girl does, the hard life of every prophetic justice seeker and mercy giver. Surely she delighted in the welcome given to her son by Anna and Simeon, even as they warned her of the sorrow to come. Surely she lived her life in a constant state of fear and hope at her precocious boy always getting lost in synagogues, too fascinated by dangerous stories of rich landowners and poor workers her angry young man who publicly called out the peace of an empire built on the broken backs of his people. This kind young man who saw hustlers and con artists, the night walkers for what they were, people doing what they needed to do to get by. This bent and beaten man carrying death on his shoulders as he goes to be strung up by the powers that be. What a clash, what dissonance rings in her body at this moment. Joy in a son who refused to live and love other than how God would have him, have all of us live and love. Frustrated anger, knowing she cannot stop what is about to happen. Anguish at knowing her beloved son, flesh of her flesh, is about to die. Where, like Mary, do our joy and grief come together in jarring dissonance? We walk the streets of mill towns, silent now because wood is cheaper somewhere else. We touch the worn wood of flat-bottomed dory boats aground because the fish are just too far out to bring home. We remember the pride of working the land, the satisfaction of perfectly driving the boat up onto the sand. We drive past rows of once thriving Chinese and Vietnamese restaurants, now closed because we are afraid to eat out. And maybe we are afraid to get too close to the source of this scourge that muffles our faces, stops the handshake 
arrests the hug. We worry about our dark-skinned sons, taking joy in their burgeoning confidence, all the while hoping that their teenage cockiness bows before the gun is fired, not because it is fired. Where in our lives have grief and joy come together? As we walk our streets, our paths, our coasts, our long country roads, where do we detour to avoid the joyful sorrow of a reminder of a person lost? What paths do we keep walking, seeking out the reminder of someone, something, some event that though lost now, gave us joy? When have our bodies simply been unable to bear the weight of both joy and sorrow? When have joy and sorrow forced us to rise up, to bear witness to a world that can, that should be better? When have we allowed our grief to rise up into the kind of resistance that causes a mother to insist on leaving open the coffin of her brutalized son to shame a nation into repentance? How have joy and grief fueled the long fight to build tiny homes for the houseless, to keep the community meal running, to create safe spaces for all of God's beautifully queer creations? How, like Mary, do we live with that grief and turn that grief into song? How do our souls magnify the Lord as our joy and sorrow mingle, as we too face God's beautiful and brutalized creation? A sword will pierce your own soul also and fill your heart with bitter pain. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. 
At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here ends the reading. Poets Who Have Rebelled by Polly Murray Decry as you must this frenzied world, Thunder your wrath around the curve of earth, That flesh must cry of hunger breeding flesh, To feed the mouth of flame. Decry the lean of lips to lips unclean, The sodden streets and hunger-twisted children, and all the shame and ugliness of greed and hate. Hail as you must a tractored and turbined world to lift the pressing earth from weary backs and let men turn face outward to the sky, filling their horny hands with golden air. But let your throats ache double with the cry of beauty here and now. When the hand clings to the root and the forearm guides the plow and the heart marks common pulse with time beating throughout the sky. Hail, if you must, your barricades, your enemy thwarted, and you and they lying in piles of carrion food were once laughing voices. But take not from man's eyes the flash of blade on wet grass nor from his ears the swish of the sickle. Whatever is good does not always cry with the color of banners or shout with the thunder of drums or rush on wings of cannon. It sometimes descends slowly as night or grows in silence as the lifting dawn. Whatever is good is not more than the world-shaking event of planting a rose, or plucking a truant weed, or watching a chimney swallow after rain, patiently restoring its nest. Whatever is good lies at the core of the clean brown soil. When a man smelling of earthiness looks at the sun through mist and says to himself, tomorrow brings rain for the young corn, Tomorrow the apple trees will blossom. That is good. Let it suffice for a moment if a man can stand in the wind, seeing gold in the wheat fields, hearing a chorus of corn leaves, and whisper, Life is good.
Let it be enough for the moment if he can race with a cloud to a hilltop and throwing himself on a grass mound, lay his lips to warm earth. New York, February Let us pray. O God, who witnessed in the passion of your Son a sword of grief piercing the soul of the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother, mercifully grant that your people, having shared with her in his passion, may also share in the joys of his resurrection, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy upon us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Stations of the Cross is a production of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in collaboration with priests from across the Episcopal Diocese of Oregon and is made possible in part through donations by listeners like you. To learn more, visit trinity-episcopal.org give and stay in touch with us on social media at trinitycathpdx. PDX.